So Jonah chapter 1. We're looking at verses 1 to 16 this morning. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to open up. Last Sunday, we began looking at the story of Jonah, and it's because a number of our leaders felt that it would be good for us in the new year to be continuing to grow in learning how to hear God's voice, how to be led by God and by God's spirit. And Jonah can help us to do that. Or maybe better to say, like the key biblical truth said, Jonah can help us to know how not to listen to God. In the very first verse of the story, we read, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness or their trouble, depending on your translation, has come up before me. We'll be, thanks, Doug, for getting those slides. We had some problems with the slides this morning. We'll be ready for the first one in a, in a little bit, um, but we can just... Don't want to give away any spoilers. <laughs> um, so the word of the Lord came to Jonah, and um, we saw how Jonah responded. God said, arise and go to Nineveh. And so Jonah arose, but instead of going to Nineveh, he headed in the opposite direction, going down to Joppa and down into the belly of a ship headed for Tarshish. Jonah is running hard and fast, down, down, away from God and God's purposes for his life. Jonah's leaving his family, if he has one, his home, his people, and his country, spending much or maybe all of his wealth on this very expensive boat cruise to try to get away from God. Remember, boat trips were very expensive 3,000 years ago when this is taking place. And the only thing we know about Jonah in the Bible outside of the book of Jonah is a prophecy that Jonah gave in 2 Kings 14, which was a very welcome message, a very popular message probably. Jeroboam II, Israel's king at that time, the prophecy said, would extend the borders of Israel and reestablish its glory and prosperity. Now, Jeroboam II was a wicked king. And at that time, other prophets like Amos and possibly Hosea were crying out and rebuking Jeroboam and Israel for their wickedness. But Jonah, lucky dog, got to be the one to bring the positive message. Maybe this made him popular. Maybe it made him a hero. We don't know for sure the timing of all this, but whatever prophetic ministry Jonah might have enjoyed before God told him to go to Nineveh, Jonah's giving all of that up now and exiling himself. He really, really does not want to listen to what God said to him. Why not? Well, the obvious reason is because Nineveh is one of the greatest cities of Assyria. And Assyria is Israel's enemy. Already in the past, Assyria has oppressed Israel. They have dominated them. They have taxed Israel to death. Jonah and his people have hurt and suffered greatly already because of Assyria. The Assyrians, you might know, were ruthless. They were known for skinning people alive and for skewering people on poles and leaving them hanging there to die. 
Maybe Jonah's first assignment had made him popular to prophesy the safety and prosperity of his own people as they sought to recover from past trauma and suffering caused by Assyria and Nineveh. And now Jonah's supposed to go and prophesy to the enemy? No way. Jonah's just not going to do it. Well, how is God going to respond? Is God going to give up on Jonah and find another prophet who's more obedient, who will take God's message to the people of Nineveh? That's something that's sometimes what God does, right? If someone refuses to do what God wants them to do, God finds someone else who's more willing. But not in this case. In, in this case, God decides to press the issue with Jonah. Question. Does God press the issue because God is bossy and domineering and controlling? Or does God press the issue with Jonah because God is good and merciful and doesn't want Jonah to miss out on something good God has planned through this? We'll have to keep that question in mind as the story unfolds. Well, God sends, literally hurls, a great storm onto the sea. And the storm instantly halts the progress Jonah's ship is making as it's trying to get away from what God told Jonah to do. And now, as this storm comes up, we meet the pagan sailors who are sailing this ship. And they are scared to death of this enormous storm. They are so desperate that very quickly they chuck the ship's payload overboard, which is a huge catastrophic financial loss. But they realize at this point, it's only a matter of whether they can save their lives. And they also pray to their gods. Now, they're polytheists. They have many different gods. And they don't know which god. Um, and they may not know the god that caused this storm. So they cover their bases. They pray to any god they know, hoping that that god can do something or can go up the chain of command of the gods that they believe existed up the hierarchy to intercede with whatever god brought this storm. They figure a god must have caused the storm because people back then were very religious, and a storm like this, they assume, isn't a coincidence. I remember one time when I was maybe... 11 or 12 years old, a friend of mine was visiting over at my house, and that friend told me a dirty joke. And not very many minutes later, I remember a huge, fierce thunderstorm kicking up. It was really loud. You know, when the whole house shakes from the thunder, and it was really close, it was really scary. Lightning was just instantaneous. You saw the lightning. You heard the thunder. Have you ever been in a storm like that? And my friend was like, do you think God is mad that I told that joke? <laughs> well, that's what the sailors are feeling, except they don't know which God is mad or why. So they're praying to all of their gods, praying for their lives, wondering why someone in heaven is so mad. And then they realize Jonah's missing. So the captain goes to find him and finds him fast asleep. 
Jonah's sleeping through this whole incredible storm and ordeal. God's trying to get Jonah's attention, and Jonah is oblivious to it. And so the captain wakes him up and says to him, beginning with the exact words God said to Jonah when God first called him, arise and cry out or call out, depending on your translation. Only this time, not arise and cry out against Nineveh, but this time, arise and cry out to your God. God is speaking to Jonah again, this time through a pagan sea captain, telling the prophet of God about the storm God has brought, reminding him that he should be praying, not sleeping. But Jonah says nothing. Jonah, God's prophet, is totally silent. So having no help from God's prophet, the pagan sailors are on their own. So they cast lots. This was an ancient way of trying to discern the will of the gods. And they're trying to figure out on whose account heaven brought this storm. And God speaks again. God honors the pagan sailors' intentions, and God gives them a true message causing the lot to fall on Jonah. Now, Jonah's been cornered by God, and he has to fess up. The sailors are crowding around him, and he's like, yes, it's because of me that this storm has come. I fear the Lord, and the Lord is the God of heaven who made the land and sea. And now the sailors are terrified. Jonah's God is a great, great God. Jonah's God made the sea and can control the sea. Jonah's God is mad at Jonah, and now we're all in big trouble. And notice also Jonah's hypocrisy here. Jonah says he fears the Lord. And in the Bible, to fear the Lord, it, it isn't so much about your feelings. It's not about feeling afraid of God. Fearing the Lord is rather in the Bible about your life and your actions and whether the way you live shows that you respect and reverence the Lord. Jonah isn't living like he fears the Lord at all. He's disobeying the Lord. He's running from the Lord. This is what someone does who does not fear the Lord. Well, the sailors asked Jonah, what should we do to make this storm stop? And here Jonah again refuses to fear the Lord. He refuses to bow the knee to God, to say, God, I was wrong. I'll go back to Nineveh, just stop the storm. I'll obey you now. No, Jonah thinks, no way. He'd rather die first. And so Jonah says, throw me into the raging sea. Then my God will leave you alone. I'm the one he wants, but I'm not going to Nineveh, so just kill me now. Well, the sailors say, no way, we're not going to be accomplices in your murder. So they try everything they can, everything else they can, but they have no other choice. It's Jonah die or they all die with him. And so finally, out of options, they throw him overboard, but not before praying. They pray to Jonah's God, which is something Jonah still hasn't done once in this story. They pray, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. 
Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. And then they toss him overboard to a certain death, it seems, as far as they know, as far as Jonah knows. And amazingly, for those still on the ship, the sea grows calm, the storm ends. Sailors are amazed. And then we see who really fears the Lord. The narrator tells us, at this, the men greatly feared the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. And that's the end of the first part of the story of Jonah. Verse 17, by the way, really goes with chapter 2, so we'll look at it next week. But this first part of the story is a study of contrasts. On the one hand, we have Jonah, the prophet of Israel, one of God's people, someone who hears God's voice, at least at first, someone who claims to fear the Lord. That's what he's advertised to be, right? But who is Jonah actually? He's someone who's running from God, someone who's disobeying God, someone who's prayerless, someone who started out refusing to hear God's voice, and as the story goes on, he can't hear it anymore, even though it's loud and clear to everyone else. He sleeps through the storm. He won't listen to the captain. He won't turn around and repent. He'd rather die first. And for a while, Jonah's perfectly happy to put the whole ship and crew in harm's way so he can continue his headlong run away from God. Contrast Jonah with the sailors. They're pagans. They have almost no knowledge of the true God, but at least they pray. They tell Jonah to pray. They try to hear from God. They realize Jonah's foolish to run from a God as great as his. They try to spare Jonah's life. And in the end, they see the mighty acts of God and they fear the Lord. And then they offer the Lord sacrifices and make vows to him. See, think of it this way, if we could have those coffee cans, finally. You can picture them. Maybe Doug will get them up in a minute. We have a, a coffee can very often on, uh, at home on our kitchen counter, and we put grease in it when we cook because that's not supposed to go down the drain, right? And when we have the lid on that coffee can, it looks just like a can of fresh ground coffee. <laughs> but if you open it up, you get a surprise, especially if that can's been sitting on the kitchen counter for a while and needs to be dumped. Likewise, Jonah, he's got the right label on the outside, but what's inside doesn't match up. Meanwhile, the label on the sailors isn't a pretty one, but there's something of value inside, it turns out. And you know, this is a lesson about who God will talk to. God doesn't judge us based on the label we have on the outside. God doesn't just talk to prophets or holy people or churchy people. God will reveal himself to anyone who's open and willing to listen. Even if they're a little rough around the edges, 
even if they're more like a pagan sailor than a prophet of God? People may judge by the outside, but what God cares about isn't your religious credentials. It's your heart. And God will reveal more of God's self to anyone who's open to listening, no matter who you are or, or what you've done. Okay, so question, if you're open to hearing from God, what else does this story teach us about that, about listening to God's voice and being led by God's spirit? Well, last week I mentioned three lessons, and I'd like to expand on them a bit more this morning. So first, if we can have the next slide. The first lesson is that God can speak to us and God can guide us in a variety of ways. Jonah hears directly from God. That's one way. We can go to the next slide. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. So Jonah hears clearly and unmistakably. I don't know, the slides may or may not catch up, but they're not absolutely essential. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah. That's pretty clear and unmistakable. And we don't know whether God spoke audibly or to Jonah's heart, but it was crystal clear that it was God talking. Because going to Nineveh was the last thing Jonah wanted to do. And so Jonah knew this was not his own overactive imagination. This was a voice outside of and beyond Jonah. And I don't know about you, but I don't often, too often, hear God in such an unmistakable way. I, I have on very few occasions. Um, and maybe some of you, the theology that you were raised with says God doesn't speak this way anymore. We have scripture. That's God's last and final word. And, and there's certainly truth to that. Scripture is God's last and final word so far as we can tell in terms of what God has to say to all of Christ's followers in all times and in all ways. We're not expecting any more scripture-level messages from God that are authoritatively true for everyone and always. But, and here's what I think, maybe you don't agree. I don't think that means that God can't give a more personal word to an individual or to a local church, which applies just to them. And of course, we use scripture as a yardstick to measure and evaluate all such messages. Scripture is our ultimate authority. But if we have a personal relationship with Jesus, shouldn't we expect that as his sheep, we'll hear his voice? And that um, as God's kids, shouldn't we expect we'd hear our father's voice? That, that we talk to him and God talks to us in a personal way? And, and if it's a strong and unmistakable word like Jonah received, we still need to humbly weigh it. Please, if, if you get a word like this from God, don't walk up to me or anyone else in this congregation and say, God told me to tell you, or thus saith the Lord. But you're welcome to walk up and say, you know, I have this strong sense, and I think it's from God, um, this or that. Would you weigh that with me? Would you discern that with me and see if, if, if you agree that it's from God? Or invite CBC's elders to weigh it, and, and together we'll discern if it's from God. 
Isn't that what Paul said in, in 1 Thessalonians 5.20? Don't despise prophecies, but test everything and hold fast to what is good. All right, again, maybe you disagree, but moving on to other ways God speaks, often the guidance we sense coming from God isn't as clear or unmistakable as the one that Jonah received at the beginning of the story. God guides us and speaks to us in many other ways too, um, through people. That's, we finally got to that next slide. Um, the second way Jonah experiences God's word was the sea captain. Jonah, arise, call out to your God. This was God's word to Jonah in that moment. And again, it began with the same words. This is intentional that God's first call to Jonah began with. Arise and cry or call out. But this time, it's coming from a scared, frantic, red-faced pagan captain. God speaks to us through people, and it's not always the nice, respectable, kind-hearted people we would choose. I remember one time there was someone at CBC who was very critical of our church, almost condemning, and they, they felt like they were sent by God to warn us and to wake us up. But the way they were going about it was off-putting in some ways. And they were, in my judgment, twisting some scripture in, in ways that were untrue and unhealthy. But our elders, to their credit, rather than getting defensive, rather than getting angry and tuning this person out, sought um, humbly to listen and to discern, is there any truth here? We may not agree with everything. We may not appreciate the way this is being presented, but we're listening because we want to hear from God and to discern what God might have to say. Let me ask you, is there someone in your life who's trying to tell you something? Maybe a boss, maybe a spouse, family member, a friend. Maybe all the spouses are like elbowing their, one another now. But, or maybe it's a critic or an enemy who's, who's trying to tell you something. Is there any truth? Could there be any truth in what they're saying? Maybe you don't like the way they're saying it. But are your spiritual ears open for what God maybe wants to say to you through that person? When God speaks, often it's through another person. Then the third way God is talking to Jonah, we could go to the next slide now, is through circumstances. The fierce storm. The, the sailors casting lots and then cornering Jonah because the lot fell on him. Life circumstances are slamming into Jonah and trying to wake him up and get him to listen. And God often guides us through circumstances as well. Recently, I was scheduled to go on a short trip just in the new year to another city for a few days by plane for a gathering of ministry leaders. And as the day is getting closer to go, I'm watching COVID infection rates go up and up and up. And I'm getting worried. Should I go? Should I get on a plane? What, what if I get COVID on the plane or, or when I'm there? What if I get stuck, sick with COVID in a hotel room far away and I have to isolate and I can't get food and I've got hotel bills and nobody's there to help me and I miss my flight, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? All the things that, that go through our heads. 
And so I'm praying for guidance. God, I was looking forward to this trip, but it's not worth it if all that happens. I think it could be really spiritually encouraging and, and you know I need that, but, but it could go badly wrong and wind up being a huge drain and downer rather than an encouragement. And, and, and I didn't know if I should go or if I should cancel. And so I decided to rely on circumstances as a means of God's guidance. I prayed, God, I'm willing to go. Um, I'd like to go, but I'm scared and I'm doubtful that this is a wise thing to do. Um, if, if this is going to turn out really badly, I know you could teach me and you could work in my life through all that trouble. You've done that before. <laughs> but I'd rather not go through all of that right now if it's all the same to you. Um, but either way, you know best what I need. So I'm going to leave it in your hands. I'm going to keep walking through this door, but please, if this is foolish, is this, if this is going to turn out badly, please shut the door. And at the first sign of you shutting it, I will cancel the trip. So I'm trying to act out of faith, not out of fear, but let circumstances guide me. So I tentatively stepped forward, prayerfully, trusting God. I packed. I checked my flight. It wasn't canceled. The gathering wasn't canceled. I took a COVID test. It was negative. I drove to the airport and I got on the plane and it was a wonderful few days. What I was trying to do was to ask God to guide me through circumstances. Well, there are other important ways that God can guide us and speak to us as well. Ways that, that we don't see in the story of Jonah. Um, through scripture, this is super important. It'd be number one on the list, except that it's not in the passage. So we covered those first, but scripture, especially those verses that, that as you're reading, meditating on scripture, they grab you or they stick out to you and you realize you need it that day and you need to pay attention to it. But also overall, just as you read and as you study the scripture day by day, it forms your mind, it forms your worldview, it forms your identity. It gives you a story and a lens through which to look at the world. So scripture, another way God speaks is by the Holy Spirit's conviction. When you do something wrong or you think something wrong and the spirit nudges you and you sense that quiet, it's always quiet, that quiet little nudging that you're off track. And it's God telling you to, to turn from that, to confess it, to make it right. Then there's also your imagination, your mind, maybe an insight, maybe a mental picture that comes to you, maybe a word or a phrase, maybe a premonition, maybe a dream. These aren't always from God. They can be our imagination. They can be our subconscious. But God can guide us in these ways too. And so again, we need to discern these things. So discerning, we might ask, is this the kind of thing I usually come up with by myself? Or does this seem like another voice outside of myself, like the voice to Jonah at the beginning of the story? Not something Jonah would have thought up. Um, does that voice line up with scripture and what we know of God and what God's told us authoritatively in scripture? Is, is that message wise? Is it hopeful? Is it loving? Does it point me to God and to trusting God? 
will it likely result in good fruit if I believe it and act on it? Or will it lead to something negative? And who can I run it by? Who can I discern it with? Who can give me input and perspective? Because in a multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. So those are some ways to discern. So I've spent a lot of time on this first one. There are different ways to hear from God. There were for Jonah. There are for us. That's the first lesson from this chapter on how to hear from God. The second lesson is that our childhood and early conditioning can get in the way of hearing from God. By the way, we'll spend a lot less time on these next two. But right, our early childhood, our early conditioning can get in the way of our hearing from God. Things we, heard, we learned from family, from pastors, from churches, from teachers, they can form prejudices in us which are not in keeping actually with God's heart. And yes, often it's religion that forms these prejudices. It was for Jonah, right? Jonah was so anti-Nineveh. He'd rather die first than go and minister there. And we don't know yet at this point in the story why Jonah feels this way. We find out later. We know from 2 Kings that Jonah, it seems, loved his country and and he clearly hated his country's enemies, especially Assyria. And what this is all really about is the box that we have God in. It's about the box that we have God in. God, we're your country. We love our country. And we are against the enemies and destroyers of our country. You are too, right, God? As, as long as you talk to us within that box, that framework, we'll listen. But God, if you go outside of that box, if you start toying with our nationalism, asking us to love our enemies, we're going to shut you down. We're going to tune you out. We're not willing to go there. That's Jonah, right? Let me ask you about what you watch on TV, what you listen to on the radio what you click on on your Facebook feed? Is it helping you to gain God's heart for the whole world? Is it encouraging you to love your enemies? Or is it reinforcing your long-held prejudices? Is it reinforcing the box, the religious box even, that you want God to stay in? I'll tell you what, just ask Jonah, God won't stay in your box. God is committed to loving and saving the whole world. To loving and saving sinners. Not only your friends or your country's friends, but your enemies and your country's enemies. God is their savior too. God so loved them too that he gave his only begotten son. And that son taught us to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. Our boxes can keep us from hearing from the real true God that we read about in the Bible. And not only our political boxes, but also our religious boxes and other messages we repeat to ourselves about what God can 
or can't, will or won't do. God will speak to us sooner or later outside of our boxes, like God did for Jonah. And then we face the question Jonah faced. Are we going to tune God out? Are we going to run from God? Or are we going to let God expand our boxes and surprise us and teach us something totally new and unfamiliar because God's ways are not our ways? Okay, I think that's a good place, or, or I think a good place to end is with the question I raised earlier. What does this story so far tell us about what God is like? Why does God go after Jonah and send a vicious storm to stop Jonah in his tracks? Is it that God is controlling and angry? Or is it that God is patiently working with a guy who has some serious growing to do? And Jonah's a tough nut to crack. And so in God's goodness, God presses hard on Jonah, inviting Jonah not to miss out on some good but hard lessons that God wants to teach Jonah. Because it's our view of God that will determine what we do about the last lesson this story teaches us about hearing God, which I'm just going to mention really briefly. And that is that the biggest barrier to hearing God is not that we aren't able to hear, it's that maybe we aren't willing to hear. If we don't trust God, if we're afraid of what God will say, like Jonah was, then we're going to have a hard time hearing what God is trying to tell us. But if we believe God is good, if we're willing and eager to hear what God has to say, and we expect that much of what we'll hear will be, it'll all be good. Some of it might be hard, but it'll all be good in the long run then we will hear if we try. Okay, we need to stop there and transition as we're going to do each week in this series to doing an exercise to practice hearing from God. So let's start with God's goodness. And I want to invite you to get comfortable where you are on Zoom or in the room here. And I want to invite you to think about a time when you experienced God's goodness. Maybe you felt God's presence. Maybe you were out in nature and you experienced its beauty or its soothing calmness. Maybe you were with good friends. Maybe it was an experience in worship. Just whatever comes to mind, I want to give you a minute now silently to remember a time when you experienced God's goodness. And remember as many details as you can. Let me give you a minute to do that. Try to go back to that memory, that place. Remember how it felt.
Now let me let me ask you, would you like to hear from a good God personally? How much do you desire? How hungry are you to hear from God? I want to just invite you to talk to God about that for a minute. How much do you desire to hear from a good God? And the next question is, is there something this morning from our worship service, from the sermon, from the story of Jonah that caught your attention? Something that, that stuck out to you, that maybe it's important to you personally, something you should think more about, pay attention to? I want to take, invite you to take a minute and reflect on that. Maybe it's about various different ways God can speak to us. Maybe... Um, it's about the boxes we have and how God may want to speak to us outside of them. Maybe it's about our willingness to listen, whether we really think God is good or has good things to say. Is, is there anything um, you heard this morning that you feel might be significant for you personally? So God, as, as we silently listen and reflect, I invite you and ask that you would speak to your children that you would speak to us and bring to mind and bring to our hearts what you want to say to us this morning. And we're just going to take a minute and listen for what feels significant. Help us to hear you, God. Help us to hear your voice. I'm having trouble, I find it's helpful not to focus too much on the act of listening and to focus more on just who God is. Focus on what's good about God. Go back to that picture you originally had about experiencing God's goodness. And then just be open. Right. I don't know how that was for you. Um, we can't make God talk. We can just receive. And if, if we've had a lot of practice, maybe that's easy for us. If we haven't, maybe that was challenging. But hopefully it was a step. What I'd like to encourage you to do, if you have a way to write things down um, or type on your phone, if you did sense there was something... God was drawing your attention to this morning that you want to pay more attention to, um, to write it down, to jot it down. 
you might actually, it might be helpful during the sermon series to bring a piece of paper in your Bible or a journal um, just week to week to jot down anything that feels significant that God might be saying to you personally so you can reflect back on it and track with it week by week. Let me close this in prayer. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak to us most clearly and absolutely most authoritatively and definitively through your word. We also want to be open. We want to hear from you in a personal way about how you're applying that word to our hearts and other things that might line up with that word that are, you want to say to us personally. So I pray as we do this exercise each week, as we walk with Jonah through his journey, um, that we would grow in hearing your voice and responding to what you say to us. Amen.